Hey, I'm Daniel Snyder. In this episode, we're joined by Andres Cardinal, founder of The Data-Driven Investor. He has been providing research on the companies he says are using AI in the right way. And now we're bringing some of those names to you in this episode. But before we dive in, did you know the link to the investing groups of our guests can be found in the description of this podcast? Give it a click and check it out. Now let's get to the interview. All right, this is exciting. Let's dive right in. We have to talk to you about the risk on environment. What is going on in the macroeconomic world? You have positions, I imagine, in risk on companies and stocks. What are you seeing? Well, I think, you know, uh, at this stage, the market is mostly, is mostly gravitating towards large cap tech. But also, I'm starting to see some rotation into uh, mid-sized software companies. The semiconductors are strong, even biotech. So um, I started to see some um, under the surface rotation towards um, high growth and high risk investments, which doesn't really make sense when you look at uh, most of the macroeconomic variables, when you look at, for example, the debt ceiling negotiations, when you keep in mind that interest rates are still very high, the banking crisis. But the trick to all of this is that the market is a forward-looking mechanism, like everybody's pricing the market based on what they expect to happen in the, in the future, not what is happening right now. So if you look at the historical data, the market tends to bottom before the economy bottoms. So um, a big thesis is that probably, you know, um, the economy is going to start getting better, maybe later this year or maybe early next year. And if you wait until the, um, the economic recovery to be you know, the, you know, the headlines, it's probably too late because prices are going to be much higher. You know, the trick in the stock market is anticipating the anticipations of others, like Keynes said. So you need to really try to, to look at the signs. And I think that we're seeing some encouraging signs in terms of risk appetite for investors, not to the highest risky stocks, but you know, uh, large cap and mid cap growth stocks, they're starting to perform much better. All right. So just to make sure that we're talking about, you see a risk on environment coming down the pipeline. So I can't help but wonder, does that put you in a interest rate cut group going forward? Or what's the catalyst here moving us back into the risk on environment? Well, I think that first and foremost, probably interest rates have already topped. I don't think that the Fed is going to cut interest rates in the short term, but they will probably stop hiking. And the most important thing for, for the market is how change how uh, trends are evolving. So we come from the most aggressive tightening campaign in 40 years, and now we have more visibility. Rates are probably not going to go much higher. And I think that the Fed is going to be cutting these rates maybe later this year or maybe early next year, but we, we are already on the other side of the economic cycle when it comes to, to interest rates. So I don't think it's going to happen in the short term, but the market will start anticipating this probably several months months before it happens. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if we have already seen the bottom for the stock market because the economy has clearly not bottomed. I think that the economy is going to get worse, but the market is going to, to be looking into the future. And when I think about, for example, the probable scenario at the end of 2023, at the end of this year, the market is going to be pricing stocks based on expectations for 2024, 2025, 2026, and there's a big chance that expectations at that time are going to be much better than they are now, simply because we're in a very bad situation right now. In a previous episode here on the podcast, we talked to Eric Bazmachian. He's, he was recommending to a ton of people to stay defensive. And that includes the large mega cap 
tech stocks that we're all referring to. And then we also had a conversation about the breadth of the market and the breadth not really being there right now. If we flip over to a risk on environment, I mean, do you have any sort of price target or multiple that you're looking for for the overall market when the, the flows kind of change? Well, I don't think uh, I can have a multiple on the, on the stock market, but I think that it's going to be uh, an environment that's going to be favorable for growth stocks because we have seen you know, a massive rotation in the past several years. During the pandemic, the only thing that worked was growth stocks, software, tech, um, e-commerce, and so forth. Then we had a massive rotation out of those sectors because suddenly you know, the energy stocks were booming, the banks were booming, all the, all the companies that benefited from a strong economy and from the reopening. And now we're going back to an environment that was similar probably to the pre-pandemic period, slow economic growth, inflation is going to remain high but declining, interest rates are going to be high but declining. So we're going to, uh, we're going to be in an environment that's very favorable to tech and growth again, in my opinion mostly because the market is going to be buying the companies that can grow revenue and profits in any kind of economic environment. They don't need a strong macro to grow. And, and it's important to keep in mind that tech and growth already had a recession. You have seen all the big tech companies and even the small tech companies cutting jobs because they hired too much during the pandemic. So they're going to enjoy growing revenue and uh, more efficient costs. And we're going to have AI playing a big role in cost optimization for the sector. So um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing strong revenue and expanding uh, profit margins for technology stocks in the years ahead. Now, I do want to get your thoughts and opinions on AI and what you're seeing there in a moment. But first, let's stay with RiskOn. Within these RiskOn companies, these high growth companies, what kind of names come to mind to you that you're seeing as a favorable opportunity right now? Well, I think in the mega cap group, I think that Amazon, and Alphabet are both still very reasonably priced. They have a lot of room to continue improving in terms of um, cost efficiencies and accelerating revenue growth. Alphabet is now launching its BERT AI applications and the market is starting to realize that the company has a very strong position because Alphabet has been investing in AI for a long time. They have been talking about AI forever. It's not like they are just uh, making the leap. And they have massive, massive amounts of data. They own YouTube, they own Google Maps, they own uh, search, they own, um, you know, a lot of uh, applications that give them massive, massive uh, amounts of data. So they're in a very strong strategic position and they have the financial resources to compete in that area. So I think among mega caps, Amazon and Alphabet are my two favorites. I think in the semi-sector, AMD is a great company, very well managed. It's going to make big, big bets in AI in the years ahead. And so probably in 2024, 2025, we're going to see results in that area. Um, and I think uh, many pure software companies like Datadog, CrowdStrike, the Trade Desk, all these companies are kind of, uh, for example, CrowdStrike is um, in an AI company in, in security and the Trade Desk is an AI company in advertising. So there's a lot of uh, potential for companies that you probably, we don't see them as pure plays, but they are actually making big cash flows and they're investing aggressively in AI, and they're going to benefit substantially from those trends in the years ahead. So you mentioned a lot of names right there, Amazon, Google, AMD, CrowdStrike, Trade Desk. Let's go with AMD. Let's talk about AMD real quick, because I think when a lot of people think about AI, they've been thinking about NVIDIA and the CUDA cores and the GPUs and the, those being the chips that are kind of running these large language models right now. 
What is the opportunity for AMD here? What do you see happening? Well, first of all, there's a big difference. I think that NVIDIA is the king. It's an excellent company, but it's kind of expensive. I own shares of NVIDIA. I have not sold, but I am not buying anytime soon because I think that the valuation is kind of too aggressive. On the other hand, AMD is an excellent business, very well run, and they, they are betting on all the, all the right trends. And I think that the market is still not pricing the complete opportunity for AMD in artificial intelligence over the coming years. So you're getting AMD for a very reasonable valuation, a company that's, you know, they, they are suffering from the natural fluctuations in the economy. To me, looking at the most recent analyst report that the worst is probably over in terms of gaming demand and natural applications. So we're going to have a, a very reasonably priced company with strong cash flows, with strong potential and plenty of, um, you know, optionality in AI. So you're kind of making a cheap bet on a semiconductor company with a potential in artificial intelligence. For AMD, do you know of any products that are maybe their next catalyst coming within the next year or two? Is that the kind of research that you've been doing? Oh, yeah. They're making big bets on, on <laughs> GPUs for, for specifically targeted to, to AI for 2024. If you look at um, the most recent press conference, um, they're going to start shipping this company, these products later this year. And, and they expect to see some revenue contributions in 2024. So it's far too early to know if they're going to have a real impact because you know you have to see how the market takes them and so forth. But AMD has a very strong track record of execution. So uh, at least I would give them a chance. And I think you know the optionality has to be considered. I wouldn't consider them already winners. They have to prove that they can deliver. But I think that they have the strong track record. So for the very least, I think you have to, you know, uh, watch them and keep that in mind as an interesting possibility. Now, this week, the leader of OpenAI has been in Washington talking about what kind of regulation might be needed for AI. Do you have any worries about the government stepping in and kind of hindering this innovation that's happening? Well, I think, you know, that's a, a double-edged sword because on one hand, um, it's going to be important to for the big players in AI to to keep the safety in mind and to keep the uh, the necessary rewards. But at the same time, you cannot afford the US cannot afford to go too much behind China, and China is going to be very aggressive in AI. So I think that the work, the way this is going to work is like the big companies, the ones that that have already proven that they know how to deal with this. For example, Palantir in defense. You know, uh, they're going to, make, to be playing a major role because there's going to be regulation, but that regulation is um, it's not going to be too tight in order to avoid innovation and to avoid growth because the alternative would be much worse. You know, um, unregulated AI for the US could be a problem, but losing the competition versus China would be even worse. So I think that at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of talk about regulation. There's going to be a lot of concern and, and want to have back and forth, but uh, the degree of regulation on the industry is not going to, to be too heavy. And I think that most of the big players, the ones that are already in the industry and already making inroads, are going to, to benefit from it substantially. Andre, let me ask you this. Do you believe that it is better for an investor that's looking into starting and investing in AI? Is it better to invest in companies trying to use the tools? or to invest in the companies that are the 
hardware and the background and what is fueling the shovels and the picks for everybody else? Uh, that's a very interesting question. I think it depends very much on the, each specific company. For example, NVIDIA is kind of, um, it's clearly a great beneficiary for an AI, but it's too expensive. So I would say, would you buy NVIDIA aggressively right now? No, because of the evaluation. Now, uh, would you buy um, uh, companies like Datadog or um, CrowdStrike or the Trade Desk, which are using the tools, making money from artificial intelligence? Yes, I would, because I think that, you know, those companies have never been uh, cheap. They are always priced at the premium versus the rest of the market. But I think that the evaluation is still uh, very justified based on the future cash flow generation. So I think that there are good opportunities there. And um, even I would say, you know, if you want to make some risk pets, you can consider companies like Palantir, companies like uh, UiPath, which are kind of, you know, much riskier and they are not for everyone, but they have like a pure exposure to AI and they are small. So, you know, if they win, they can win very big. In those kinds of companies, you need to give your position size moderate because the risk is also much higher. But I think that the upside potential uh, can justify the risk. How is a company like the Trade Desk actually using AI? Oh, the Trade Desk is basically, you know, programmatic advertising. So in real time, multiple companies can compare uh, advertising products and return on investment and so forth. So basically the Trade Desk, the Trade Desk has since forever used AI to maximize who is advertising where and what kind of returns they are getting to get the best price and to get the, the higher return on investment. Even, you know, um, e-commerce companies such as uh, Amazon is making inroads in, in AI in advertising. So it's Mercado Libre in Latin America. So I think that the potential, you know, uh, data-driven advertising is like a big thing because you want to measure the return on your, of your investment. So in advertising, I see a lot of companies that are going to make, you know, big inroads into, into the industry also because Programmatic advertising is going to take a cash away. It's going to steal market share away from traditional advertising. You know, connected TV is going to take money away from traditional TV and from other, you know, traditional advertising methods. And it's going to work much better. It's going to be more profitable. So I think that the opportunities for AI in the advertising industry are huge. So let me ask you this. Should companies that are going down this path of utilizing AI should they be able to command higher PE multiples for the stock at this time? Because I feel like investors don't really know how to value what is possible with this technology. Yeah, I think, you know, just like AI is like a massive opportunity, a very powerful technology. There's also a lot of smoke, a lot of, you know, um, Southern, a lot of experts in AI and there's a lot of investor appetite in the sector and it's risky to, to overpay. So I would think that the best thing to do is just to focus on the companies that make real earnings and real cash flows and value them based on how much you think that those cash flows are going to grow. And you know, you don't just value the AI alone. You say, oh, how well is this company going to grow cash flows? And you keep in mind that AI is going to allow them to expand margins and to be more profitable and to you know innovate and to provide value, and to provide value to customers, but you only pay for AI companies to the degree in which you see that these AI technologies are being translated into cash flows. Because if not, you know it can be very dangerous to just be buying things because they they are popular in AI and they're trying to say 
you know, management is pumping their, their, their AI opportunities, and you want to really, you know, make a difference, words don't make cash flows, you have to look at the cash flows. Now, you've done a lot of research on these companies over in your investing group, uh, Data Driven Investor. Just kind of curious, do you have anything that investors should know about that could be like red flags? Is there anything that makes you cautious that you can share with investors that they should also be looking out for? Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, um, you know, all companies are mentioning AI all the time in their press conferences right now. And, um, you know, um, I don't like it when, when they talk too much about um, how much money they're going to make and they don't show you how they are actually using the AI in their products, like what kind of uh, material improvements they are seeing in the products or in the, um, or for example, uh, reducing expenses or how, how it's tangible, you know, the, um, I don't want to see like big statements on AI. I want to see actual products, actual deliverance, actual, you know, um, improvements on the business model and you can touch and you can see in the company as opposed to big statements because everybody's making statements and you know all, all CEOs these days they want to be uh, to be seen as big AI plays but it's going to, to be very important to pay attention to the ones who are actually using those pro those technologies and making improvements for the company and for these for the company's clients with this technology so a lot of people have been asking me and I'm going to turn around and ask you we're talking about all these big tech companies that are innovating with AI, yet Apple has actually been pretty silent in this matter. We know there's a little bit within, you know, the Apple Watch, for instance, that there's AI, but there, there hasn't been anything really over the top, big, groundbreaking kind of features. Are you expecting something to come from Apple or you think they cut off, they're cut off sides? Uh, I'm sure they're not cut off sides. I'm sure that Apple is working on this. And, you know, I'm looking forward to see what Apple can bring to the table because uh, it seems to me that they are letting other companies run with it, prove what they can do, what they cannot do, and they're probably working on something, some big improvements, um, maybe in healthcare, maybe in areas related to, to the user. But at this stage, you know, I wouldn't be buying um, based on rumors. I want to see what they can deliver. Apple is a great company. As it's not growing very rapidly right now, and it's not cheap either. This quality is pretty high quality, um, so I would never be bearish on Apple. But I don't see Apple like the the most profitable bet to make on high growth right now. It's mostly like a highly defensive TikTok, great company, great management team, great quality, you know, outstanding brand power, very solid. But I want to see what they can deliver on AI to consider the company like a, like a big play in that. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. At times, myself or the guests might own positions in the securities mentioned, but this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. And just a reminder, you can find a link to the investing group service in the description or show notes page on Seeking Alpha. And we'll see you next episode.